All right. Well, um, so welcome everybody. Um, uh, for those who don't know, I'm Cujo or Josh. Um, and, uh, so this week, um, to be honest, the drone news is kind of light. Um, I don't know if that has stuff to do with the election or what's going on. Um, nobody tried but, to sneak uh, anything in because of all the election news. Yeah. I mean, not really. I mean, the, yeah, I do have the Sony drone X jet. Um, I do have that news article. Um, I have, uh, one on, uh, you know, the switch over from the integration pilot program to beyond, um, a little bit on, uh, some, uh, military drone stuff. Um, and another one on an article about what people are thinking or what, what people think about drones and kind of, uh, what's going on with that. Um, but you know, beyond that, it's just been kind of quiet this, these last two weeks. So, um, yeah, I have a, I have a question. Yeah, sure. There's nothing about the FFA right now or the FAA. So, <laughs> no, I mean, there is a little bit uh, with the switchover. They they are close, shutting down the uh, uh, integration, the drone integration pilot program, and they're moving to a new segment uh, or a new program called Beyond. Um, so uh, this is coming from AOPA. Um, and... Uh, it was, I think, last week or the week before where Secretary Elaine Chow announced the end of the unmanned aircraft systems integration pilot program and the start of a new effort in the same breath. Um, eight of the current nine participants in the IPP uh, were named as participants. Uh, basically, they're going to be the integration pilot program basically consisted of uh, doing tests of rain, like application for drones, different types of missions, um, flying beyond visual line of sight, uh, you know, so on and so forth. And, uh, now they're moving on to, um, slightly more complex tasks. It seems like, um, so we're talking about, uh, beyond visual line of sight with onboard electronics, um, that allow the aircraft to detect other flying objects. And uh, San, let's see, Iris Automation, uh, which is a San Francisco tech startup, uh, announced a new system which would basically automatically move the drone out of the path of any conflicting air traffic. Uh, I would assume it's using some kind of motion. It says it's running sophisticated motion detection algorithms. So that would be interesting to see how far ahead or around the drone that that could see. Um, but uh, it's a pretty long article. I'm not going to like, you know, beat it paragraph for paragraph, but uh, um, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of this new Beyond program. Um, we do have Sony. Um, getting back to his question a little bit more um yeah like there there has been no more rumors or information directly from the faa about things like uh new regulations or the remote id stuff as far as we mm -hmm. know we expect that to happen sometime in december or at least sometime before the end of the year 
who knows if they're going to surprise us right after Christmas again, or if it'll just be tomorrow. <laughs> but right. um, and there have well, there have thanks. there have been hints hints that it might move into the early next year. This and this being the remote ID final yeah. rule. Well, thank goodness they're not ruining ruining FPV yet. <laughs> not yet. As much no. as much. Well, also keep in mind that you know if it if it if what comes out in December or when it comes out on remote ID. Um, if it doesn't change from the NPRM, there is a three-year kind of spool-up period for it. So yeah, it seems really unlikely they would change that part of it. Yeah. So, um, you know, the the hobby is not going to get ruined tomorrow, but you know, depending on what happens with it, uh, you know, we'll we'll kind of respond appropriately right. to that kind of situation. And three years is a long time. A lot of regulations can change before they actually go impact us significantly in three years and likely some of the people who are in charge of these rules will also change within three years absolutely so especially if we see a change in administration um i would imagine a lot of the uh you know heads of like the like elaine chow would you know be uh replaced with somebody from the biden administration so right and it's like very likely that uh administrator dixon will be uh, replaced as well. Mm -hmm. And it's so, not like it all and, is and, just going to go away because uh, Congress has said that they have to do this, correct. but the details of how may change. Right. Correct. right. And there is, there is a 60-day comment period that uh, we'll have to submit a complaint if, uh, if the final rule is uh, draconian. Yes. All right. So... Sony uh, is entering the drone market. Um, so it's a uh, new brand is called AirPeak, uh, and they have not released any type of information regarding the drone as far as I can tell. Um, all they announced was that they are inspired by the recent proliferation of drones and the changes they have caused in both the industrial and creative sectors. I'm not um, sure I would have gone with AirPeak as the name of a drone. <laughs> especially if you change it to p-e-e-k instead of p-e-a-k right. um, it's all about spying not quite the image we want to portray yeah no not really so uh sony describes the drone as being developed within the field of ai robotics which uh along with the aim to enable the drone to enable drone use where it was previously difficult to do so uh, I don't know what that means. Yeah, but I heard I guess some we'll... people speculating. What what does that mean? Where it's previously yeah. difficult to do so. So that that'll be interesting. Maybe they'll have a finer tooth comb on their on um, their lockout system. I don't know. Yeah, like Alex says, no geofencing, or at least uh, yeah, the, you can fly where DJI won't let you. I don't know. Or maybe maybe they'll integrate, you know, something like Lance into the app that the drone is using. Who knows? That that would be interesting. Um so all they've really posted is the picture that's there on the link and uh, you know, a brief statement. So yeah. should be interesting from the uh, computer end of things. Sony is pretty capable mm -hmm. in creating um workstations and uh reduced instruction set computers, linking them to pretty powerful graphics. So um should be interesting. They, they, they I, I think it's a very difficult uh, from an engineering perspective to catch up with 2,000 DJI engineers, but 
you know, even if, even if they go in an open source, you know, tall order. It yeah. would be fun to see Sony and DJI duking it out, trying to make better and better products. And yeah. as, I mean, as Bruce says, anybody that can do it. Yeah, it's probably professional level, higher end stuff. Yeah, I, I did yep. see some rumors about that as well too. So we'll we'll be interesting to see uh, what happens with that. Um, let me see. Uh, this one's kind of cool. I'll save. I'll group those together, but this one's pretty neat. Um, so they are using drones and it looks more like fixed wing drones, but, uh, um, they are sending drones, uh, into, uh, volcanoes to monitor, uh, gas emissions and, um, possible seismic activity so that they can help local communities who live near these. Uh, I read that headline. A... I thought it said it was like somebody did a dive straight into a volcano. <laughs> know, if somebody right? wants to it's donate a, a quad, that'd be fun. <laughs> I, like, I, mean, I, I like the footage of that. It looks pretty yeah. Nice. yeah. So uh, they're they're geared towards helping communities, uh, you know, give give a early alert system to possible volcanic eruptions, which would definitely save lives. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's you in the bathroom. There you go. Um, so it says scientists have a few ways of forecasting when a volcano is going to blow. They can monitor earthquake activity in the area to detect tremors. Um, when clear skies allow, uh, satellites can also rapidly detect and measure volcanic emissions of gases. Um, we also want to quantify the carbon emissions from this very large carbon dioxide emitter. Although volcanoes emit just a fraction of the carbon emissions humans do, researchers still want to be able to estimate what carbon dioxide they do emit. To factor this into the carbon budget, we have left to limit the effects of climate change. Um, the drones flew over 2,000 meters high into Manam's fine uh, uh, volcanic plumes and some six kilometers away from their launching pad, well out of sight from their pilots. On each flight, the drones took images of Manam and its two craters measuring uh, and measured the gas composition right above the rising plumes and collected four bags full of extra gas for rapid analysis. That's pretty cool. They're just literally pumping the, the gas into little bags for research. Very unique. Um, <laughs> kind of like that so. uh, FPV drone that was used to catch whale snot. <laughs> I don't know if you saw yeah. that one. I did. That was funny. That was a Shen drone, right? I it uh, might have been. Sure. It was custom designed for that purpose. Gas bags in the drone seat without creating more. <laughs> there you go. Uh it's funny. Did did they mention uh did they talk sorry, I just joined. Did they talk about no. um how uh they're protecting the drone from the heat? So let me see. Yeah, the last um, thing you want is your props to melt while you're flying over a volcano. Right. Yeah, your, your props. Be worried about the foam wings. And your avionics on board, right? The electronics on board. Exactly. I think they're That's probably. That's what I was thinking about. It doesn't say anything that I'm seeing about heat or anything like that. Because yeah, it's a it... caustic atmosphere in a hurry. That's mm -hmm. pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean. If they're staying 2,000 meters above, I mean, that's a pretty significant... Six, yeah, 6,000 feet, right? Yeah. Um, I would say that it's probably not as bad, but 
Um, you know, I've never been around a volcano either, so <laughs> they got to get know, some my... FPV pilots trying to get some closer samples. I have seen some people flying, like just videos of people flying around them. Um, but uh, yeah, nothing, nothing and... like getting down in there. That would be interesting. And the batteries would be another big part, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, heat heat resistant everything. Maybe, maybe they use a coating. Maybe they use a just a reflective shields that like they. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like a fun project though. If I had a yeah, volcano in my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Um, this is a test from the U.S. Army. Uh, so infantry to receive supply drops by drone in upcoming test. Uh, this is coming from drone DJ. Um, let's see. They're saying that the uh, 18th Airborne Corps will be testing out drone supply drops for the first time uh, next year. Uh, they'll be receiving unmanned drops. Uh, Let's see, the unit, the exact unit receiving the unmanned drops is unknown, obviously, to keep the soldiers and drone security intact. Um, To get the deliveries airborne, the Army is testing out three possible options. The first is a helicopter-style drone that can carry up to 70 pounds but needs to be manually loaded and unloaded. The second option can carry 120 pounds and is a VTOL drone that doesn't need to be unloaded thanks to the bag it drops off at the delivery location. The third option is a drone that can haul up to 110 pounds using a large cargo net that is then dropped at the delivery location. Um, If everything goes well during the test and a drone model is selected, it is expected that the cargo delivery drones will be used more widely throughout the Army. Um, So obviously the the benefit to uh, the soldiers is that they can continue to move while the drones keep them supplied without having to wait for a supply convoy or anything like that to reach them so uh pretty interesting and then there was another one that kind of links into that which is pretty interesting uh let me stop and grab this comment thinking about the volcano thing i would do at least one drone way above with thermal core uh constantly mapping the volcano then send in the sample drones to less hot parts of the map that you make path in heat safe areas yeah that's not a bad idea um this also comes from the army they're looking at mass recharging for drone swarms um this was uh, pretty interesting um obviously we know that uh, most drones uh, have a short uh battery life on them um with you know consumer drones like dji and and some of the bigger ones you know packing up to 30 to 45 minutes you know before recharge um so when you start thinking about doing drone supplies uh supply drops uh one of the things that they need to do is obviously recharge those drones so uh, it says army researchers are tackling that problem with a variety of methods one of which includes an unmanned ground vehicle that weaves its way across the land space acting as a charging station for hordes of drones as they conduct their resupply missions um, imagine in the future the army deploying a swarm of hundreds or thousands of uh, uas systems um, and if launched at the same time that means most could be returning home at the same time all needing a place to charge 
so let's see. Um, wireless charging would remove the major hurdle of landing the drone in the correct location, orientation. Uh, you can't just land it. It will just fall off. You have to have a magnet to hold it, charge it, and then depart. It should do it autonomously. So it's pretty interesting stuff. Um, Does anyone work in the uh, uh, DOD realm of like with, with UAS? Um, I, I don't know of anybody that does. I mean, I know of companies that have potential contracts, but, um, I don't know, you know, a lot of that stuff is going to be, you know, way high on the confidential list. Yeah. Um, I actually work for, uh, I'm friends with Alex. Actually, I work for Johns Hopkins applied physics lab and we do a lot of DOD related UAS projects. So, oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, some of these concepts that you just brought up are, uh, I've heard about them a little bit. Um, yeah. I'm doing slightly different stuff uh, than, than that specifically, but um, where can I share a link? Should I just put in the general comments? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, some, something that you guys are going to find really, some people are getting real scared about. Um, Turkey's building this, this company called uh, Cargo, um, mm-hmm. Suicide Drones, basically, is what they're calling them. Swarming suicide drones. Uh, yeah, so China. There you go. It's uh, my company's or people in the DoD are getting real scared of this guy, and my company might be acquiring one of these just to test them out and see what they can do. Apparently, they can go 90, 90 miles per hour or something crazy like that. Well, they can't um, go a over a hundred, or they'd down. be illegal in the U.S. <laughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> <laughs> and Dan went there. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, uh, yeah, there's a video if you scroll down about halfway through the article or so, a quarter of the way through the article. Okay. Um, pretty crazy. So let me read this real quick. Turkish military reportedly plans to buy more than 500 quad uh, quadcopter type cargo series loitering munitions or suicide drones and in loitering the Loitering munitions. That's an interesting term. It very much is. Um, <laughs> Cargoes at present can operate in semi-autonomous or manually controlled modes, but work is underway to give up to 20 of them the ability to carry out mass attacks as a swarm, which could give Turkey's troops a potentially game-changing new capability. 15-pound, 15, 15 90 miles an hour, 30-minute airtime. That sounds... Uh, color me skeptical on those numbers. Exactly. That's what yeah. I... Yeah. When someone brought this up to me, I was like, yeah, I don't... I would love to see that yeah, person no. go 90. I mean, the other two maybe, but like 90 miles per hour, that's, that's a little stretch. But Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, you know, a five-inch quad, you know, FPV racing drone. Sure. Three to five-minute flight time, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and, I mean, the amp draw on that. Yeah. And a payload of, you know, measured in grams. Yep. I mean, look at this thing. I For something that would be... It's not that big, even. Yeah. No, but it's over... I would I would say that it's probably completely over engineered for something that's disposable. Right. Uh, let's see. One of three types of different warheads, including high explosive fragmentation, uh, a thermal barrack for targets in confined spaces such as building or caves, or and a shape charge for attacking lightly armored threats. Three pounds. That's a heavy drone. And to go that fast for that long of a period of time, uh, yeah, I'm not buying it. Yeah. They have some videos on it um, at the end of uh, that video, if you guys want to watch. There is one snapshot at the end of it 
attacking something and blowing up. So. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Thanks for, thanks for bringing it up. This is yeah. very interesting. Yeah, there's yeah. A, there's some some of the guys in the long in a Facebook group, long range hooligans, uh, mm -hmm. work, work for uh, uh, military projects. Interesting. All right. Um, this comes Ooh. from. Let's see. My drones already fragment and burst into flames. Yes, there you go. <laughs> no need for explosives, right? <laughs> Just a typical crash, you know. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> a, kin a kindred soul, someone else who hates Prius. Yeah, there you go. Oh my gosh, they're horrible. They just look ugly. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> so uh, this was a survey done uh, by uh, it, uh, European Union uh, funded Respond Drone, um, where they're working on developing a situation awareness system for emergency situations, providing critical information and communicate, bleh, communication services for first responders. Uh, they held a focus group um, in six different European countries, the focus group revealed what most participants associated drones with amateur photography and videography, children's toys, and military operations, or most knew very little about drones. It's interesting um, that the article we looked at just before this one was about exploding no, drones. Right, right. So comments on the acceptance of the operation of drones were split between negative feedback uh, mainly due to privacy and noise concerns and the understanding of the potential improvements it could offer to emergency responders to a lesser extent. What people think about drones for public safety and first response application is important. Most communities are more willing to accept drones if they see them as beneficial or life-saving. That public acceptance often translates into fewer local regulations designed to limit drone use which is something that we've been talking about for a long time. I know that Bruce has been talking about for a long time is getting the general public to understand what drones actually do, what their capabilities are, um, how they benefit, um, you know, the STEM programs behind them, you know, as opposed to just seeing them as a nuisance. Um, so the answers indicate that drones still appear to be new and somewhat unknown to the vast majority um respond drone recommends that emergency drones carry special identifications such as color color specific or a logo obviously this is for eu and for emergency type drones um but uh it it definitely stands to reason that you know the public still doesn't know a whole lot about what drones do so let's see us acts over Israeli arms sale to China, loitering drones made it's by Israel. Old, it's an older article. I just wanted oh, to bring gotcha. it up that this is something yeah. that's that was the uh, ones that loiter over the ocean, and they attack military radar. So if oh. a ship goes by with a military radar of your enemy country, this thing goes, "Oh, I'm the frequency I, you don't I don't like." So it hones in on it and actually attacks the the ship. Right. It can't destroy the ship, but it attacks the expensive radar. Mm -hmm. These are the these are bigger like type. Big boys. Is, yeah, these are big guys, not like um, quadcopter type stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, but loitering tech is bigger 
and now it's starting to become miniaturized. It's interesting that, like many other types of things, which is even more dangerous because it's cheaper to make and it's smaller, so harder to, harder to detect even. Like yeah. The, and the big boys, like the you know MQ1s and the Predator. I mean, do you know what they were? It, I don't see anything about the article saying what kind of specifically what kind of a UAS. Do you know what kind of UAS they were selling or? The Harpy Killers, uh, the Israelis made these things that were prop-style uh, ones, fixed-wing prop okay. things, pusher-looking uh, things. Okay. So, like, so it's smaller than MQ... I've never seen it, but it's smaller yeah, it's, than MQ-1? Yeah. They yeah. could be launched off a small, like, you know, uh, patrol right. boat or something like that. Off mm -hmm. a rail launcher or something? Yeah. So, and, uh, related to that public opinion piece we were just looking at, um, Bruce brings up that movie, The Flow State movie mm -hmm. the trailer that's out hopefully if enough people see that and it becomes popular and it's on netflix or something um it may have enough sway to you know adjust public opinion somewhat yeah absolutely so if you haven't watched the movie trailer definitely go check it out i see i see the picture you posted yeah that's hmm. all right and the last article, and I'm sorry that a lot of this is uh, military-oriented, but literally news is scarce right now. <laughs> All the military um, stuff at the, the same time as the U.S. elections, huh? Well, you know, I mean, you got got all that stuff. I mean, that I mean that's the one thing is the military generally doesn't stop innovating. And, you know, we've seen it in the past and in previous shows that um, – you know, where like Israel's spooling up drones and we're spooling up drones and we're spooling up counter drones. And that's what this article is about. Um, so, yeah, we do have uh, Biden's drone swarm display. Um, that did happen. Uh, that was pretty, pretty interesting for sure. Was that um, like mixed in with fireworks and drone display or is it just I believe so, drone yeah. display? Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, Brendan Schulman commented on it that, you know, hats off to whomever got the uh, waivers on that one. That um, that's, that would have been brutal to uh, to get that approval, but they did it. Yeah. Did they get approval or did they just do it? Well, I, I, I would imagine I would... they got approval. <laughs> yeah. Secret Service really does not have a sense of humor. <laughs> and, and as appropriate. And that is appropriate. Yeah, absolutely. So this one, uh, the Pentagon has identified a lack of institutionalized training when it comes to defeating drone threats and is developing a common regimen across the joint force, according to official with new office, uh, with a new office dedicated to countering small unmanned aircraft systems. Um, the gap was identified during an assessment completed earlier this year and led by the director of operational test and evaluation. So I'm going to stop right here. Um, yeah, I mean, wasn't there an attack in was it Venezuela like a year and a half ago or a supposed attack? Um, yes. I mean, yes, sh shouldn't that have been identified a little sooner than that? And I've heard reports of you know, I think we've all heard reports and read news articles of of U.S. military running into you know these types of you know, rigged together UAS, you know, bomb kind of IED kind of things. Problems they haven't had anything. I'm working a lot of counter UAS stuff in the military right now. And yeah. the problem is that they don't have a lot of, they don't have anything to fight it. That's the problem. They still don't have anything to fight. It. They've been, they've been spending a lot of money in the last couple of years just to, 
just like the counter they, they're comparing it some of the folks are the counter eod folks like mm-hmm. the, uh, the ied guys that were it's the same kind of fight but even harder now with but with drones because they're up in well, the air yeah it's like open they're, air they're a little bit faster that obviously they're mobile they're not stationary ieds this is really so, interesting. I want, I want to see that web. That web. I wish they talk a little bit more about that weapon that they're holding there in that picture. Yeah. Well, if you do, um, and I've pulled up a couple different ones, but uh, in in past episodes of of our uh, town halls, but looks um, like they took a Yagi are... antenna and stuck it on a potato cannon. <laughs> well, it's probably a, a frequency blaster. Is probably what that is. Um, but. Uh, yeah, sorry. I would say I would say there's probably 200 different counter UAS, you know, systems being developed right now, just in the United States, if not yeah. more worldwide. There's I mean, there's going to be, I would imagine, whoever whoever comes out on top is going to be a a wealthy company. Well, but... the regulation is just a total mess right now. The FCC yeah. won't clear any of these yeah. for use for EW well, specifically EW type. Uh, counter counter UAS uh, weapons, right? They're, they're all worthless. You you can't use them where we're needed. New York City, Washington D.C. Who can use them? Well, yeah. here's the deal: is that that uh, Department of Defense and Department of Homeland Security have decreed that only certain agencies within the government can use counter UAS technology because of federal regulations involving downing an aircraft and technically a UAS at this point in time is considered an aircraft and there's a lot of legal issues running into that. Now they are testing uh, counter UAS at, I think they're spooling up for five different airports. One of them being uh, Newark. Uh, I do believe if I remember correctly from an episode or two ago. Um, but uh, um, so they are slowly rolling this kind of stuff out. Um, but it's still very limited in who they are allowing to utilize it because I, I, I imagine, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into developing a counter UAS. So, you know, if you think about it, if you're using a frequency blaster on something like a phantom, what could, I mean, one of two things could happen. It could fall out of the sky or it could return to home. Right. And I mean, if you want to discover who the drone operator is, obviously you want it to return the home because it's going to guide you right to whoever's operating it. But at the same time, if it falls out of the sky, what's the collateral damage from something like that? Um, You know, it falls on somebody uh, from 200 feet in the air or 400 feet in the air. That's going to be a big dent, if not a death. And or it falls in the middle of a freeway, causes, you know, an accident or any kind of other thing. So they are very strict right now on limiting who has the capability of using uh, that type of technology. Now, I do know uh, maybe a year and a half ago, there was something going on in Miami or thereabouts somewhere in Florida um, where, no, it wasn't, I don't, I don't think it was the Super Bowl. It was something else, but um they somebody used uh counter uas technology and i think they got sued over it um because like nobody could launch a drone so it was literally a denial of service okay. kind of thing because nobody could uh, connect with their controller or their their um 
their transmitter to the drone because it was like a blanket frequency um, ban on they did something but it's unfortunate it's gonna take basically a dispersal of like 10 pounds of random liquid or something and 58,000 people stampede each other at a stadium 100 people dead or a drone swarm over an aircraft that has 300 people on board for them to finally say oh we we, maybe we should have these things in different places because right now if, if only a few deputized people are allowed to have them and they're sitting in pelican cases at the top of a federal building and not anywhere else they're going to be useless at the locations that they're needed at when when things happen yeah, yeah. but that's us i mean from a certain standpoint i mean that's assuming that you know most people or or that there's a high chance of somebody using a drone to do something malicious, right? And the the cases, I mean, I mean the 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 evidence to the contrary is very prolific that people aren't doing a whole lot of that. Now there's been isolated cases cases here and there where you know a drone flew into a stadium or you know somebody you know decided to buzz a plane in in Nevada, but you know, those cases are few and far between in terms of uh, what people are doing with drones. People aren't out there trying to lose a thousand dollar investment. I mean, if you're if you're picking up a Phantom or something like that and people in FPV, I mean, most are are going to be, you know, out there for fun, not to be malicious. And I mean, that's really assuming the worst case scenario, which I don't always think that that's the best way to legislate anything. You want to resource to the risk as opposed to, you know, the possible, you know, risk with no evidence kind of thing. Am I making sense? That's yeah. fair. But I mean, at the same time, was it so wrong to have these jamming technologies in the hands of the people that are securing international airports and securing big stadiums and things like that? I, I, why would there even be a drone over those locations or, you know, well, there's no valid reason. Well, there are valid reasons. I, I would, I would kind of point to the contrary. If you go to some of the uh, more commercial UAS groups on Facebook, a lot of them have jobs that involve flying, you know, very close to airports and, you know, they have to go and go through and get waivers and, and whatnot. And if the wrong person's uh, not informed about, that particular job, then they down a drone and cost that person, you know, several thousand dollars in equipment, especially some of the, you know, higher end drones. I mean, they can run into the fifteen, twenty thousand dollar range. And I mean, you just cost them their equipment, you get sued. You know, there's a beyond that, I'm sure that counter UAS technology right now is still in very much development. Uh, I would say it's not a one source or a, a one solution for everything. I mean, uh, it might be somewhat easy to knock down, you know, maybe one of our FPV drones because you can just saturate the video frequencies or the control frequencies, but something like a DJI where you can set it on a path and forget about it, um, you know, or uh, something running iNav where you're mapping out a, 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 a flight path, a, a waypointed flight path, and you don't actually touch the controls to it it just does what it does yeah. during, um, during the discussions of the on the uh, drone advisory committee tasking group for uas facility maps we had um, some wonderful people um, some of them air traffic controllers others um, 
airport management uh, representatives from uh, Alaska, LAX, uh, Reno, uh, Tahoe, uh, Memphis, uh, Atlanta, uh, and they were uh, they segregated the, the conversation into monitoring and identification, and that's something they all wanted and all they're all working on, uh, you know, with the appropriate you know working within the laws, and then. Uh, then a much lesser or lower requirement in their eyes was a counter uh, UAS to you know, now you're going to take a take a drone out of the sky. And they all hesitated on that one from a perspective of what Josh was saying is that you're you're going to risking uh, you know you know life and limb of someone on the ground when you when you start doing that. And you know we've been listening and watching a number of companies. How do you, uh, you know, selectively jam? How do you know? Are you going to use a physical uh, counter? But I was I was barely encouraged that most of what they wanted to do is, you know, if someone you know flies into their airspace and they can be aware of it, that's usually enough. And uh, to the point of uh, appropriate level of regulations matched and proportionate to uh, the risks that we're that we're seeing. Now, certainly, I mean, good good point to to bring up. You know things like suicide drones. You know, I think we're all bright enough to know that uh, these things can be weaponized uh, happily. I think you know the we've gotten what 1.5 million drones in the United States, and we don't have uh, even with electric powered uh, drones, we don't have uh, any fatalities. I'm I'm not so naive to think that that's going to exist forever, but I, I'm I am optimistic that you know, thinking about monitoring. Working on that side of it, I think, would go a long way until we have to. Um, and I do th- feel that there certainly are appropriate locations where, uh, you know, taking a drone out of the sky does make sense if it's, mm-hmm. you know, if it's a sensitive area, if it's uh, an international airport, if it's a, fi- if it's an, a military base, I mean, things like that make complete sense. The border. Yeah. Yep. I'm working with, I'm going to be working with CBP here. And DHS CBP to uh, help them out with uh, figuring out, you know, you know, over the Mexico border, they're bringing in, you know, paraphernalia, drugs, and mm-hmm. that, you know, um, going to be helping helping them fight that fight um, here shortly. So cool, nice, cool. very cool also, piece of work. Yeah, another comment just on the previous topic was, um, you know, just like every, like just like a lot of not every technology, but a lot of technology out there. I think this needs, in my opinion, it needs to be perfected. It needs to be applied first and and, and effective out in the out in the international community, out in the military world where they use it internationally to fight mm-hmm. terror stuff like that. Yeah, perfected there, just like they did with GPS, just like they did with a lot of other technology, and then and then bring it to the and then bring it to the commercial world where they they understand more of the risks and how are we going to implement it. Just like you were talking about, you can take out, a, you know, I work with the army on on counter uas and 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 the, and the marine corps and it's like they it's you can fight it but whether kinetic you know we have we have we've already been developing something for the army where we're using a ugv unmanned ground vehicle with a putting an m4 on it and a radar and a tracker mm-hmm. and having a whole like ugv take out you know you can do a kinetic type solution or you can do mm-hmm. an electronic solution like you guys were talking about mm-hmm. with fcc to worry about and but you can get around the FCC if you go to, you know, if they go test these and develop these at a military range, they have their own type of FCC, which I've 
you know, I've also kind of looked into a little bit is what, what, what can we do at military ranges? And, um, and, and sometimes you, you have more flexibility there. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think the, the point at where we are technologically as a, as a nation and, you know, even in the world is that, you know, it, it, I would say that it used to be that the military and, and agencies like DARPA drove a lot of the innovation that we uh, later on get, you know, at a consumer level, like GPS, right? Um, I would say now that... ...is where, you know, it, it seems to me, and I, I might be completely, you know, wrong on this, but it seems to me that private companies are now creating the solutions that military are then taking and, and, you know, either improving on or field testing or that kind of thing. And, um, it's, it's been interesting to see, uh, you know, especially from a drone perspective, I think, I think nobody thought that drones would be what they are now and what they are going to be in the future. Uh, maybe, you know, five years ago, seven years ago um when these th things first came out i think they caught everybody off guard on yeah. their capabilities and the, stuff the too. military knows they are way behind the the curveball on this one way behind yeah. and then you know now the commercial side we're trying to also fight it in terms of like you know like you guys were talking about things around airports and you know borders and but like really i know military obviously they have the most money right and so they're going to spend them they're going to push it along hopefully faster, but they are really behind and commercial is keeping up with them almost in certain, yeah. not all, not all the way, but like they're closer than other things in the, in, in history have been. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. So, and, and the funny thing is, is, I mean, from a technology perspective, I would say stuff like drones are more accessible to everybody than just a, something that's developed in a, you know, a, a, a lab somewhere in the military that you know is used strictly for warfare right or for negating warfare um but uh it's definitely a technology that kind of spooled out of the diy you know area and then you know kind of grew from there so yeah i did a project over the summer um uh it was actually i was a subject matter expert for uh younger engineers but my, my company gave like you know it was like a competition for a group of engineers, uh, different groups to figure out the counter UAS mission in terms of, it was more on the commercial side of the house or more on the homeland defense side of the house. But, but, you know, they were supposed to pick like a different part of the kill chain, the F2T2EA, if you guys have ever heard of that, find, fix, track, uh, target, engage, assess, kill chain that the military always talks about recently. And, um, and they and I've seen I was helping teams doing the fine fix portion and the and then you know using different types of you know autonomy to help machine learning reinforcement learning and then mm -hmm. um, just um, and then then saw some teams do engage the engage portion and we did some crazy stuff that you guys would probably start laughing at that we took like a Mavic you know what do they do we use a um, we basically just took some COTS UAS and started started seeing what we can do to take them down the quadcopter mm -hmm. particularly we were looking at in this case and right multi-rotors and we sprayed water on them while while i was hovering it we um and 
we 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 threw confetti on it we threw silly string we did you know <laughs> uh, we um, we did all kinds of stuff and um as you guys know all you what, what what do you have to do to be able to take down a drone the easy the easiest fastest way to take it down is so to you disrupt the prop disrupt the props that's right one prop that's all you need right and so um and so guess what worked confetti right <laughs> Confetti hmm. was the simplest, cheapest solution to take down, take down a drone. And um, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, did like that video of. Did, did it have to be shot at a, a significant velocity, or just the confetti floating? So that's the that's the problem, right? Like, how do you get it to the bad guy UAS? And that was yeah. the hard part, right? But but we basically dropped it. The easiest way is to to drop confetti from the top because mm -hmm. you don't have prop wash from the bottom mm -hmm. to deal with. Away, yeah. Out. Like, how are you going to be able to get something like that on top of a bad guy drone? You're probably hmm. not going to be able to. And the only way to, to do it is fly, you know, either over them with another drone, um, you know, and that's hard enough as it is to, to right. aim that and dealing with wind and all that. kind of, So we tried that, too. Hmm. I, I took up a uh, they modified a Mavic to Mavic Pro 2, I think is what it's called. Right. And uh, or 2 Pro, whatever. Um, and they, uh, we, we put some, we basically put some uh, payload on it, be able to, um, hit a button and then open up a canister and it drops confetti. So I flew over a, what was it? A Mavic mini, um, and just about like 10, 20 feet above it and dropped it. And, and, and yeah, it works, but the moment you have wind and the moment you're not directly over it, um, then all, it all goes out the window, right? I wonder yeah, how hard yeah, it would yeah, be absolutely. to take an FPV drone with some streamers on it and fly over it. To where yeah. the props well, the, suck the streamers in. Yeah. I mean, the, here's the hard part: is that I mean, from a from a logistical point of view, and I I kind of mentioned this when when Remote ID was uh, when the NPRM came out, is there's just so much airspace, right? And getting getting the point of of two drones or two aircraft to even collide is incredibly difficult uh, on its face. It's like you know the 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 chances of of two planets hitting each other in space, which are basically nil, it, it, there's just so much airspace that you know, without some kind of machine learning or AI or just yeah. incredibly crazy, you know, pilot skills where you can make those, you know, even that man. I mean, unless yeah, you have, I mean, I mean, that's maybe the best, the easiest way to do it. But otherwise, right. you're eyeballing it from the ground. It was so hard, man. Yeah, I can imagine. It's even the best pilot. It just at a distance trying to hit another drone. It's just so hard, man. Yeah, I mean, so I, I would say FPV is probably your best bet before you start jumping into AI and machine learning and that kind of thing. Right. But it's definitely. I mean, there's just so so many variables to to a solution like that. It's so, you know. So I gotta ask: Did the confetti jam the motors, or did it snap props? It didn't snap props. It um it just uh, uh stopped the motor. Yeah, it jammed yeah. up the motor. Yeah, yeah. that makes and sense. Got on two motors, right? But I mean, like most of the time, it would it would get one and immediately take it down. I couldn't. Do, sure. I mean, I was trying to resist it. And it, well, it's like streamers that you would use in like uh like combat, right? It's, right, combat radio control, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that'll clog an engine in a in a heartbeat or a motor. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So, I mean, we all know those will take them down. I, I've done combat with drones before, and, you know, I fouled my own props up with my own streamers before, so. 
<laughs> and friendly fire. Yeah. <laughs> From the electronic standpoint, you know, like we talked about the FCC and all that, the, just because it was a short project, you know, I recommended them to go to the anechoic chamber that we have on campus or on, you know, at our laboratory and, and just, you know, uh, they were, they were trying to use a GPS spoofing technique type thing. And yeah, and not just, there are different types of spoofing type technology out there. And um, um, so they tested out different stuff down there. I wasn't part of that, but uh, yeah, I mean, Very it's cool. happening. That was just for Very a summer, cool. like early in early career engineer. I mean, just imagine what other people are doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we know there's frequency blasters. They're using microwaves to like, cook the electronics i mean these are just ones i've seen right there's gps spoofing there's all kinds of different ways to do the counter drone or that they're attempting to do the counter drone but the crazy thing with the technology is is you know it's drone technology on its face is adaptable right and we all know that from fpv everything is constantly improving and it just takes somebody who knows how to code or knows how to harden a system or something like that to get around it. So it, I, I would say it's never going to be a one, one solution fits all. Um, and, you know, I mean, my, my personal standpoint is, is protect the areas that need protecting, but you know, this should not be a commonly available technology either. Um, and because... before we, before we close out that, uh, let me just thank, I think it's uh, a dirty B for uh, helping kids out and uh, volunteering your time to, uh, to get some kids. I mean, that, uh, that must've been exciting. I mean, you know, yeah, we're, you know, uh, we may not be yeah. all stoked about counter, but to get kids jazzed about technology. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's what it's about. Very, so we really appreciate it. Yep. Yeah. My, my name is Eli Elias, by the way. Sorry. Oh, no problem. <laughs> the Discord well, welcome name. Elias. Yeah, thanks, guys. I'm in the Maryland area. I, I don't know where you guys are at, but... Upstate New York. Okay. Arizona. Spread all across the country. All across the country. Okay. <laughs> hey, yeah, and, we had, and we had XJet from New Zealand. Ah, earlier. Nice. I'm uh, also an FAA safety team representative. I just got appointed last month. And me and Alex nice. did. Me and Alex Excellent. Did. Yeah. You both did, huh? Yeah, both Alex and I yeah. did. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, was... I showed him the channel here. So. Yeah, <laughs> he introduced me to all the uh, all the UAS channels. So Excellent. thank you. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you. Welcome. Spreading the word. All right. <laughs> so, um, I've probably talked long enough. I think we've had some great conversations. Uh, Dave, you got anything for us, sir? Yeah. Anything uh... happening with the drone advisory tasking groups lately? Uh, they're. Those are still fresh, right? Yeah, there are two. There, there's one tasking group, tasking group number nine, and uh, they're just starting to form up. There's a kickoff meeting happening next week, trying to make sure that uh, we get an invitation to that. And uh, there is uh, the other standing subcommittee on operations and technology and standards, if I'm not mistaken, which essentially is a a, a vetting uh, group, which will. Uh, establish a bench of uh, people who can work on tasking groups because the Department of Transportation is insistent that anyone working on a tasking group uh, project uh, has to be vetted before they can start working on the project. So in, effort, in an effort to streamline the process, they, uh, they want a group of people ready to go, and that makes a lot of sense. And so hence the uh, creation of that standing subcommittee. 
And yes, I have volunteered to work on that one too. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Uh, Alex. And Alex, yeah, Alex is yeah. Uh, will be, uh, uh, I'm sure, working on the on the one tasking group for sure. Yeah, tasking group nine. Mm -hmm. I sh yeah, I got in touch with them. I just have to finish updating my bio to send that over for them so that they can send it to get that approved and all. But I'll do that. Uh, one thing I did want to add, though, mm -hmm. some, I guess, good news, if you could say, is for National Drone Safety and Awareness Week, um, my company was able to get a kids Q&A with, directly with the administrator. Administrator so, Dixon? Dixon? Yes. Good nice. for you, yes. Alex. That's, so we that's will, outstanding. So we will be hosting a kids Q&A where we get to sort of pick the questions. Um, and they'll, and so he'll answer those directly, hopefully. So awesome. we have a seven-year-old from, from Arkansas, John. John, what's your question? <laughs> uh, Administrator Dixon. Uh, How are you going to protect the hobby? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to work that in there. Cause, yeah. Is one of the questions going to be, why can't I fly my tiny whoop in my backyard? Yeah, I, 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 I can't. <laughs> Guarantee every question is gonna be like that because I don't want to be like, oh, I'm out of time. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'm but sorry, I lost connection. At least one, at least one question will be on the lines of it. What were you? Least, what were you? Be, what were you thinking about network connection for remote ID? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's well, that. That's that's superb, Alex. Good yeah, piece of absolutely. Work. Um, are you going to be recording that and posting that? And when is that going to be? I believe it will be live streamed. It's on the Monday during National Drone Safety and Awesome. Season. So isn't that week, like next... yeah, next Monday? Next... Yeah, next Monday, I think. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah next 16th. Monday, the sixteenth. Yeah. So it's at four p.m. It'll either be live streamed. I think it's going to be live streamed. It might be live streamed by the FAA themselves. Okay. Or so, us. If you do know, learn yeah. anything about the streaming of it, definitely post that on our Facebook group. Yeah, for sure. We'll do. And in as much as we're on the East Coast, I assume that's 4 p.m. Eastern. Yes, Eastern. Okay. okay. Yeah, that's everybody cool. in the country knows that that times are based Eastern time. Because that's, <laughs> right. that's the only well, time that counts. <laughs> that is. <laughs> as someone who's not in Eastern time, I have to deal with that all the time. <laughs> that's that's right. Y'all still do daylight <laughs> savings time. I can't take you seriously. <laughs> yeah, only... well, wait until you wait until you work with India, and at the uh, the time changes. Of course, it's a big enough country where there are different time zones, but they yep. they change on the half hour. That'll hurt your oh, head. Super. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, and so it's twelve and a half matter. hours out. <laughs> <laughs> right, a lot of lot of great lot of great engineers there. Um, uh, let's see. Dan, you got anything for us, sir? No, I'm just uh, curious if anybody here else has questions about the FPV Freedom Coalition or regulations or anything else that drew them to our meeting tonight that they have questions about. Going once. I'm guessing no, that's a no. All right. Dirty Rat is typing something. So if he has something, we'll respond to that. Um, 
So if you do have, let's see, what is the average airspeed? You have on late as well. <laughs> You'd have to watch Monty Python to, <laughs> Europe, to, to European hear European or African. <laughs> right. Um, so, How many Monty Python fans are there here? Right. <laughs> um, well, with that awesome Monty Python reference, we will wrap this up. Um, just a heads up, guys. Uh, we all know the holidays are coming up. Um and we will adapt for those, uh, but we will try to continue with the pace that we are at with these meetings. Um, but on the flip side, we are anxiously awaiting some announcements from the FAA on a multitude of subjects, including uh, education, CBO, uh, or sorry, the uh, education requirements uh, for the test, um, CBO requirements, uh, which are going to be definitely important for us. And uh, obviously, remote ID uh, being one of the biggest ones. And then and, subsequent to that, beyond visual line of sight and flight over people. And yep. we believe the plans are all of those are by the end of the year, right? Or that's the FAA's well, goal. Well, theoretically, <laughs> yes. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, it is our federal government, and uh, we will give them the benefit of the doubt that uh, it may not happen right away. And some of those so. could be next week. Some of them could be at the very, very end. Yeah. Yep. So... Uh, most of the announcements are slated for December, uh, but we don't have any specifics beyond that. So um, we will be uh, uh, pulling those down as they drop. We will be uh, interpreting those and getting them back out to you guys, as well as responding and guiding uh, you guys and the rest of the FPV community, drone community, and some of our uh uh, friends within the industry uh, uh, on how to respond and, and good talking points for that kind of stuff. So uh, just be on the lookout for that kind of stuff. As soon as we see it, uh, we will be on it. And if you see it before we see it, shoot us a link so that we can get started on that process. But uh, generally, we're pretty good on that. So, um, But just be warned that that is coming up and uh, uh, we will be uh, on that uh pretty hardcore once those drop so uh, with that I will let you guys go uh, we thank you guys for joining we had a great uh, great discussion great turnout and uh, I will see you all in two weeks I yep. think. thanks everybody very good thank you everyone take care be safe have a great night